Hello, and welcome to another episode of V Brown Bags. I'm your, uh, tonight we have Michael Kennedy. He's here to talk to us about PyDantic, Modern Python Data Validation and Settings. Next slide. Um, just a <laughs> few housekeeping <laughs> notes here. Uh, you can get on the conversation at V Brown Bag and, or any of those other ats there. Uh, we also have a Twitter hashtag going. Chris will be monitoring the Twitter sphere. Not all night. Yes. Not all night. No, no. <laughs> just, just, just for the duration of this recording. Um, and yeah, you can uh, find Michael Kennedy there at M Kennedy um, on Twitter. Uh, again, I'm your host Sean Doyle and Chris Williams at Mistwire on Twitter. Um, and we do this every Wednesday night. So yeah, well, uh, and with that. And, and what's your Twitter handle, Sean? You can't you can't follow me on Twitter. Oh no. <laughs> cool. All right. I will stop sharing. Mr. Kennedy, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Hello, everyone. Chris and Sean, thank you for having me here. W wonderful to have you on once again, yes. Mr. Kennedy. Yep. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> well, shall we kick it off? I think, you know, let's just start with some screen sharing. How's that sound? I'm excited to learn about this. All right. Me as well. So we will jump over here and I will try to push away all my little screen sharing bits that I'm sure will be in the way. Oh, so we're going to talk, <laughs> we're going to talk about Pydantic and Pydantic is not this amazing software that you would use directly, but it's the software that you would use to make other software better. If you're building an API, it's fantastic as the data exchange layer. It's so powerful that people are starting to use this as the classes that you create for ORMs for things, you know, like what would be the, the next generation SQL Alchemy or some kind of MongoDB ODM data access layer. They've started to decide, well, these pedantic models, if we could put those between our database and our code, then we would get automatic validation, type conversion, all this beautiful stuff that we get with this Pydantic library. So you should think of Pydantic as this salt that you can sprinkle onto existing libraries, existing web frameworks, or if you're even just doing straight up DevOpsy type stuff, you'll see that there's really cool things you can do about taking like environment variables and other settings that you might need, parsing those into your code and then working with them, knowing that they've been validated and are mostly correct, as correct as you can validate them for anyway. So that's the idea. We're going to explore this library, Pydantic, that enhances other things you do with Python. Now, let's just jump straight into some code here. I've got a few things put together and a couple of comments I put together for myself. So here you can see I have an elaborate presentation mechanism. Number one, we're going to go create some types and we're going to try to get them out of this environment. So I organized some things a little bit so you can kind of tell where they come from. This is to be ignored, but over here I have just some data files. I'm going to first start talking about some JSON data, and I made it intentionally janky looking so that just to sort of get the feel of here's unstructured yucky data coming to us that will pop out the other side in a nice way. And then also, if you work with Python a lot or other frameworks as well, there's this .env um, file format that plugs into Python plugs into the environmental settings and so on. And you'll see that there's neat stuff we can do with Pydantic around that as well as I was hinting at. So over here in this environment section, we're going to have those kinds of things. 
And then in the models, these are going to be our Hydantic classes. It's mostly an object-oriented programming style. This is where we define Python code that maps over to this data. So let me just nab one of these over here and we'll go over to this people thing. So in this thing, we're gonna have some kind of data and they, somebody said, hey, you gotta process this data. And you're like, okay, geez, all right, well, I gotta parse this. And what, what, a, what a parts of this are we sure we're gonna have? What is required? What is the data formats and all those things? So what we'll do, is we're going to go and create a class that represents a person, right? In Pydantic's world, you have this base class. And if you derive from this base class, it will do all sorts of magic, but we'll put that to the side for a minute. So what we do is in our data, we've got over here, we've got like a first name. And in Python, in recent Python, you can do things like this. You can say that this is a string and put it like this. You don't have to give it a value. You can just say there's a thing called first name. And if I come down here and I create a person, you'll have a first name. And if you go click on it, you can see it does like string stuff. So I could set it to be like my name or Chris's name or Sean's name or whatever. Okay. So we can define this class that has that. And we also have one for the last name. And maybe we want one for the address, which who knows what that is. I was going to say, we don't know what that is for the minute because that looks complicated. And we'll have the favorite numbers. And we'll just say that this, for now, I'll say it's a list like this. Right? That's what that square brackets represents. So this is a start, but there's a couple other things that we want to do. What we learned by talking to people who said you have to process this data is they said that this last name, sometimes we don't have that. We kind of got this from like a, a sign up form for a webcast, something called V Brown Bag or something. People signed up, they didn't necessarily give us their last name, but we made sure they gave us their first name. So in Python, there's a weird, I don't know about weird, but there's a non obvious way in which you say that this thing might not have a value. Some languages, you can have a thing like a string and then it cannot have a value, but other languages like say Swift, you have to explicitly say this thing might not have a value and it's a different type than if it's the same thing that might have a value. Python doesn't really have types, right? I mean, it's a dynamic language, but in its way that it describes what it wants, not what it requires, but what it would ideally have, what you would put is you, it has this mechanism of you must explicitly say this one might not be there. And so it's not obvious, but the way you do is you say this is optional. And that comes from the typing library. So we can go over here and say this is an optional string. And then down here, we can say that that's not a list like that, but it's a list. And over here, this list contains integers. And it also comes from this typing library. Okay, so here this could be an empty list. Or it could be a list like one, seven, and five, but it can't be nothing. It can't be other things, right? It'd have to be an optional. So then this, let's deal with this last one and then we'll have some pretty interesting things to work with. Let's have a class address. What if this habit has a street, which is gonna be a string, let's say, and it has a country, which is a string, but it'll have a default USA and it has a zip code, which is also a string like this, okay? 
And then so down here, we can come and say this is a dress. Or we could even go so far as to say this is an optional address because we don't know that it's going to necessarily be supplied, right? This was a webcast sign up or something, right? So here we have it. I have no idea what favorite numbers it has to do with sign up for the web, but just run with it, okay? All right. So we've we've got this, and these are this is pure Python. There's nothing pedantic happening here yet. But these data class type definitions, pedantic can extend them and make them awesome. So we can say there's a base model, which it comes from pedantic. And we have this base model here. And then this is where it gets really cool. We can come over to, let's go to this bear thing that I was working on. We can say from models.people import person and address. So we can come down here and we can actually load up this data Right. This is all this JSON data. It's all janky and it actually has validation errors. Not validation, it has incorrect data in it, as we'll see. So we'll say with open. Uh what's oh that's a lot of autocomplete. Go away. Environment. By the way, just PyCharm side note, check that out that it's auto-completing the file system over here. That's just cool. That makes me happy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we can go over here and say the data is JSON dot load from that file pointer and let's just really quickly pretty print the data because it, it wasn't pretty before but python loaded it so we should be able to make that work Woo! look at that there it is so we've got our address there's michael kennedy there's chris williams lives out on on wood lane Here's Sarah Jackson. Her favorite numbers are such and such here. So this is not pedantic. This is just the raw data. But notice, for example, that this favorite numbers, it's supposed to be numbers like 1, 7, 11, and 97. But it's somebody put the numbers in quotes. So really the data is kind of right, but it's not right you know if you were to go to like load that up and try to work with it say use it in a calculation or ask if it's greater than or less than another number your program's going to crash right because it it can't work with those heterogeneous types it needs them actually to be numbers normally that's the kind of stuff you've got to deal with we've got to come over here well make sure like in this case that there is a first name are you sure there's a first name okay great we we're able to load up this thing go to the address well if it exists, it has to have these things in it. But if it doesn't exist at all, that's also okay. Here's a list of numbers. Are they really numbers? Could they be turned into numbers? And if they're not possible, which one is wrong? And all these things, right? This is, this is the, the tedious details of programming that you just get into, right? Right. So, yeah. Try so, catch or try catch or exactly. cast it to an integer. And yeah. Just add, as it gets more nested, it just gets worse. But check this out. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that commented for y'all. So let's go, and here's our people. I'm going to go to my person. Um, it's a little bit complicated because we have an array of people I put in here. I suppose I did this to myself, but we have an array of multiple people. So I've got to do it like this. I got to create a, I want to say P for P in data. So those will be for the JSON person thing. And I'm going to go to that and I'm going to say I want a person. 
And the way that you specify it is you go to this person object and you say, here are the keyword arguments, like first name equals the value, last name equals the value. Something handy in Python that you can, if you have a dictionary, you can say, do the keyword argument thing instead is I can say star star P. And while that looks weird, all that means is take every key in the dictionary, like first name and last name and say that equals the value as arguments. If we do that though, check this out. Spelling is hard, even with autocomplete, apparently. Okay, so we've got this person object loaded up, and let's even make it a little bit more easy to see. Just put them on one line each so that they're not completely out of control here on the small screen. So we got Michael, we got Kennedy, we got Chris and Williams, and so on. Here's the address. Look at this. So it went down when we said we have a person. And this thing address is an address class. It actually went and found that and pulled those pieces in and it has this hierarchical way. But the thing that I think should impress us all the most is that seven right there. Where did the quotes go? Right. It knows that that was a list of integers. So it went through and it said, is each one an integer? Normally most things would just go crash. No, it's not an integer, go away. It said, could it possibly become one? <laughs> Sure, it's a quote seven, it just means seven. And so it automatically converted that. Uh, check this out. So I said the last name was optional, so that's fine. So Chris's last name is now gone. But if I did it different and he only gave his last name but not his first name, which we didn't say was optional, remember it's just stir, not optional stir, crash, required field on this one, what is missing, first name. It gets even cooler than that. Like, check this out. So if I go over here to Sarah and I said, this one is 7-11 because we all love convenience stores and run it, it crashes and it says, no, no, no. The favorite numbers is wrong, but not just which one is wrong. Zero base indexed two. So zero, one, two, that one in the list is wrong. All right, so there's this really beautiful way in which it just takes the data and it just goes through and it makes sure everything that you put into your code up here is either exactly true or can be converted to be true so you just have to write really simple code here and then all sorts of neat stuff happens we're just at the tip of the iceberg i'm going to show you some other neat stuff but <laughs> it's it's pretty cool right yeah totally yeah so let me fix this so it doesn't die i will just leave it as quotes at 11 that's fine so that is pretty neat. You can also get it back in reverse. If I wanted to create some kind of JSON from this, I could come over here. What would I do? People as JSON again, because I don't know what I was thinking. Make it an array, make my life hard, but it's okay. So we would say p.json. Um, oh, well, for pn people. Can't remember if it is a function. Yeah, it is. And then we could print um, p print people as JSON. And if we do that one, then it's converted back to the way it was. So there's this bi-directional aspect of it as well. That's all pretty cool. I'm gonna comment out the printing here real quick so we don't go crazy. Now I know a lot of folks here are into like devops -y type stuff and so on so one of the things that's got special attention over here is dealing with settings 
So, so far, what what you would think of this is probably like a an API data exchange or something like that, right? Somebody's done a post to an API endpoint, and here's their JSON data, and you can parse it and work with it. But there's other things. If we check out the settings management stuff, I'll do a little bit, but not a ton of it. If we derive from base settings instead of base model, and then we can come over and do all sorts of stuff. Uh, we can come down and parse those directly from environment variables or from these, hey, guess what, .emv files like I was just talking about. Um, you can do interesting things like where does it say, find it here somewhere. There's things that you can do where you put prefixes on it. So if you have a machine that's got like a Redis server, a MongoDB server, and a Celery server, in each one of these, it could just have a server is a string, but then in the class, you could put the prefix, like all the settings that go to this one are celery underscore server, celery underscore port, and so on. And it will automatically just pull those in. So let's do like a real quick thing with that. So I've got this, this database over here and this server over there. So just like before, we wanna create a class that maps over to this stuff. So let's do that real quick. We'll say class server config, let's call it, or settings. Ah, I'll go with settings. But this time it's not a base model, it's a base settings. Like so. And we can come over here. It's going to be a string. And it's going to be an int. And then we'll have db settings, which is going to be something we're going to make up here. what are we going to get for our DB? A bunch of very nice stuff. Like, I hope you all appreciate that password. I use an exclamation mark and a number, <laughs> so we're good. So again, it's you just create these classes and you can say, you know, some things are optional, like this could be a, an optional stir because sometimes we will blur out your super secure password. For oh the, gosh, did uh, I leave that in there? That's in the recording, oh, isn't oh my it? Gosh, oh yes, my it goodness. Is, so. Oh. Well, I'm gonna have to just, I'm gonna regenerate that. I'm gonna put a four safer, not move the three to four. So much better. Yeah. <laughs> so we can come over here and say that this is a, um, an optional one of these as well, right? Like that. And then I gotta, I don't actually remember. So I'm gonna snatch from my little um, snippets, this little bit here. So what we can do is we can come and we can just say the environment file is, I don't want it actually out there, I want it right here. And the encoding is that, and let's just print out settings. So that'll be cool. Let's go and run this and check that out. We're like parsing it straight out of our .env file, and if that was not in the .env file, but it was in like a true environment variable, it'll just grab it and pull them over. And mm -hmm. there you're working with them. But it's not just that, like let's go one step further. Now, I would think that it should be able to pull in this as like a nested thing, but I don't know how to nest stuff in .env files. So let me just, uh, db is what I want, there we go. Uh, settings. And 
db settings. There may be a way, but I'm not entirely sure. But check this out. So we have our db settings that we parsed over. And remember uh, which one? There's the version. Somebody entered that as a quote seven. It doesn't matter. It got converted to a, a seven. And you can put additional validators like that this is really an IP address and things like that. So all sorts of cool stuff. Like now your config files are just automatically pulled in, but they're also really easy to work with from code because I can come over here and say settings.dbsettings. And then, you know, there's my autocomplete magic. But you know they're all there and verified. Like if it says there's a stir, it's there. Right. If if it wasn't there, pretty sure this will cause some problems. Uh, yeah, well, I gotta finish finish my thought down there. Right. Like it says the setting required this names field and it's not there. So I think that's really cool. You should definitely check out this base setting things. But let's go and take it a little bit farther and see some other neat things we can do. I'm gonna close a few of these suckers off. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Okay, so let's suppose we're gonna build an API. So I have two examples for you. I have a Flask app that I wrote. There it is. Like it's kind of crazy that that's a Flask app, but there it is. Let's run it. I think you'll all be impressed with my web design skills here. Oh yeah, <laughs> you like it? That's <laughs> nice, right? All right. This, is this the appropriate time to plug your uh, to plug your Flask class? <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Yeah, you can. You too. If you, you want to get can do this, this good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on one hand, it's kind of impressive that this is the entire web app, but what you get is not impressive. All right, so let's add an API to this. Something fun. Now, Flask and Pydantic don't typically go together. What typically happens in Flask is you're on your own and you're doing it by hand the old dreadful way. But let's go and create a function called API and say it has an app.route to slash API. And in here, what we can do is we can get the data. We can say flask.request.json. And that might be none, which will make some of the stuff we're going to do crash. So if it's none, I would like it to just be an empty dictionary. If it's not none, that will be a dictionary. So this sort of like makes it always a dictionary. I don't have to test. All right. And then let's just print out for the moment the data that we got back and then return. Let's let's return. We'll just echo it back for a moment. Say flask, flask.jsonify data. Okay. So this is going to start out being boring. So if I click it, well, what's our raw data? Nothing. So let's send it something more interesting. Are you all familiar with Postman? Postman is a really cool program that lets you very carefully construct stuff we send to a API. So I could go to my browser and I could type that in. In fact, I did and I got this, but how do I post, not do a get, but post some kind of interesting data. You just, you know, maybe if you go to the console or get a plugin, but you're better off getting a dedicated tool. So let's go over here, change this to a post, and we'll go to the body, and let's go say I want this to be raw as a JSON, and let's just go and nab this from our data that we had before. Let's send, I will send Sarah over. Come here, Sarah, you're going, go into the server, okay. So we go to the body and thankfully 
that doesn't quite fit. That's kind of a UI issue, but we can beautify it and make it a little nicer. Hmm. And notice again, it still has like this slightly invalid, but not really invalid data. So if we go send this over. It didn't like it. It said method not allowed. Um, so let's go over here and I think it's method equals, I think it's a list post methods let's see nope it's there we go and check it out if one could get this thing to fit on one screen oh you would totally have it all right close the <laughs> close up the body come on show it to me oh yeah i can zoom it there we go beautiful so let's do a send and where's the response 200 okay where did the body go oh this is the body this is the response right here sorry it's the same like this is what we're sending <laughs> this is what we're getting back sorry I, i'm sending the same thing so that's okay that's what you would do in flask but we can bring pydantic into this we could say you know what we're getting a person here so we're going to say person equals just like we had already created that same object we go here and we just do our uh, pass in the keyword argument thing. We print out person. And let's imagine now that we want to return a person dot address. Now these are not JSON things, so it doesn't quite work. So you need to say dot JSON. And also notice that Sarah doesn't have an address. So this is going to crash. Let's get her an address. She's moving in with Chris. All right, Sorry, Chris. I, ho I hope you're okay with that. Kim is going to have opinions about this. Well, you've got a roommate. That's all. Okay. Like you just you got y'all are renting out a room. Okay. Somebody somebody pay the rent. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Address. There we go. So do I, do I restart it? Let's restart one more time. We send this over. Check this out now. Hmm. We've got our data back. Why did it come back at the string? Because I called JSONify on it, and I did not mean to I think maybe I want to turn this directly see that yes exactly mixing too many web frameworks together so here we've got our our response right check this out and the other thing that would be nice which we see if we print is notice those sevens and elevens are now parsed over right and if something's missing if our our person says, you know what, we decided um, that we don't want to send the first name over, and you call it, just like before, identic error, we're not returning the details directly, but you'd see the validation error, right? first name, right? So that is pretty cool. Let's take it one step further. I know we're getting short on time, but trust me, this will be quick. So that was fun. Oh, this, is, this is great stuff. Take your time. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Go ahead. So is there a way to see, like, so you see it come in and it, it, it transfers the integer from a string to an integer in the list of things. Is there a way to see before PyDent? Well, I guess we could just print it out or, or log yeah. it out. But like, how do you, how do you like get people to say, hey, stop I, sending me <laughs> strings, you know, like, you know send me, send me numbers. Exactly. Um, 
there are a bunch of like interception methods you can add and stuff. You can probably get in the way and like check or something. Um, so that's, that's probably it. I'm not sure it's really quite in the Zen of it. I think it's like, if I can convert it, I'm just going to convert it, but there are a bunch of interception points in which you can get into the, the conversion process and add, like, like I was saying, like additional validators where it's like, this one's an IP address or something. Yeah, that would be really cool to validate the IPs. I've I've had to write, write code to validate. Like, is this? Uh, I had to use some library. I can't remember, but you know, is this the correct cider? What what what? You know, is this a valid subnet, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So if it yeah. just does it for you, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you would have to write it, but you could put it in just one place, and then then whenever it's needed, that conversion, it'll just do it. Is what I was thinking. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's fun. Let's talk about another web framework that was Flask. Let's talk about Fast API. So we run this. You will also be equally impressed. There it is again. It's incredible. But this time it's on port 8,000 instead of 5,000. So I feel that's we're making progress. But no, seriously, this is going to be amazing. So watch this. So Fast API goes farther than the other frameworks because it was built alongside Pydantic. And it's like, you know what? What could we do if we actually had Pydantic? You know, Flask was built 10, 15 years ago. So let's go and get that bit of code here and then fast API ify it. So this is going to be a post. We don't have to say the method. It's in the, by the way, Flask 2, they now have post and get. Um, that's a new thing. They're like, oh, yeah, that was a good idea. So over here, instead of doing all of this explicitly, they said, you know what? Let's just say that we have a person that comes in to the to the API, right? The argument to it is a person, and that comes actually from the JSON body. So watch this. So if we run this, I click on it, it's supposed to open. You click on this, you get a, it only accepts post, so we're out of here, back over to this, change that to eight, and look at that. We get our response automatically. So it knew it it took this thing and converted it to the person just by virtue of it being an input. Now, what am I returning here? I don't want to return JSON in the fast API world. Let's do it again. We just return the address. Look at that. Because it knows, oh, this is a pedantic thing and it can be turned into JSON. So here we go. Bam. This is all pretty cool. And again, it has the same validation. So like if we don't have a first name, boom, check out that J that like sort of API friendly error oh, wow. field is required. It's missing what's missing first name from the body. That's right. like, that's yeah. really cool that it prints it out like that in JSON. <laughs> Isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah. So you can deal with it programmatically because it's sort of programmatic API first. Right. All right now, now check this out. What if I was new to this? advanced api we've created here i would go over to my beautiful website and i would say okay well i could click this and that doesn't work but but what if i could have documentation and i hit docs okay so now we have this a get to index that we don't really need to see but this post this looks like an api and here's the schemas that are exchanged we have an address that is exchanged and a person and the person has an address by the way so let's go down to this. All right, so this 
has no parameters, but its request body is required, and it looks like that looks like our person, right? Mm -hmm. What did we do to create this documentation? Nothing. This. <laughs> that's the sum. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, but the return is a string, and we saw that it's not really a string, it's an address. Uh, what's going on here? So we can do one more little quick thing. We can say the response model, not class, is the address. We rerun it, and we regenerate our documentation. Now our response is an address with a JSON schema validation and all of that. Pretty cool, right? Definitely. So if you're building little APIs and you want to have, make sure the data that comes in is valid and also the data that goes out. You can't construct these models to return by passing them invalid data. So you know that they're going to be the right format type, et cetera, for them uh, before you can even send them back as well as taking them in. So really, really neat stuff that we can do here with Fast API and Pydantic. But as you saw, also really neat stuff that you can do just working with like straight JSON files, working with environment variables. Darn, there's that password again, and so on. So, um, but really, I, the 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 pinnacle of it is obviously this, right? Yeah. The the address parser uh, and yeah. whatnot. But neat stuff. So, if you've got examples where you're taking JSON data or you've got some other class. That you're working with some other data format you want to pull these in really really neat let me see if i can find uh, some examples here so beanie i really should put more qualifiers and this is not good beanie mongodb um there so this beanie thing is really cool and it is an async python data access layer for mongodb based on you guessed it, Pydantic. Mm -hmm. So when you get started, what do you do? You come down here and you create a class that is one of these Pydantic models. Here's another one that's a Pydantic model. And here's the, even the nested stuff that you do in MongoDB. And then you just go say, here's my models from my database. Off it goes with indexes and all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of neat things like this. I think... Oh gosh, I can't remember what. There's a brand new SQL-based one of these as well, and I'm just forgetting the name off the top of my head what exactly it is. But there's something else that's like a SQL Alchemy competitor, but also using Pydantic. So the, this Pydantic stuff is starting to show up in a lot of different layers, and it makes a lot of sense like where it's on the boundary, right? I'm getting data yeah. from the database into my app, and this is what I expect. I'm sending it out over an API, and this is what they expect, and so on. To, to do an extra layer of just making sure that data has been scrubbed properly. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. I, I, I totally missed an opportunity when you were talking about Flask about 10 minutes ago um, when, when you said, oh, and, and, and Flask does this now. It's like, and you would know that if you had listened to Mike Kennedy's episode 316, Flask 2.0. Oh, yeah, thank discussion. you. Yeah. <laughs> so now we can do, this is brand new. You can do a get and you can do a post. That's so 2020. All right, oops, that won't make any difference, but if I rerun it, it should still work. Yeah, thanks Thanks for that plug. Yeah, I interviewed the guys who are doing Flask about their updates to it. 
Nice. So, yeah, there you go. Method not allowed, just like you would expect. Yeah, that's really handy. I mean, the fact that it can take these, what would typically be a bunch of custom, like, you know, lines and lines of code to validate and test and if this, that, you know, yep. error handling and, and what have you, and then just turn it into two lines, essentially, well, a class and then a yeah. couple lines. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's also nice that it centralizes that validation, right? So if in a real application that's large, you're probably using this person concept and doing this data exchange in different places, right? On the file system, on the APIs, and all different parts of your app. You write it once in the class and then it just happens everywhere. So that's really nice too. Right. Yeah, because you could leverage this on all, all of your all of your different data ingestion, in, ingress and ingress points. Exactly. Right. Yeah, the model and then you can create yeah, separate controller and do all that. So, uh, what what do you do when things go wrong, like error handling, Pydantic? <laughs> so, Pydantic has this philosophy that is really good for APIs. It's not always a, a perfect fit for everything. And so, the philosophy is: as soon as it hits an error, it throws an exception and it says, "No, no, no, we're done. This is wrong." Um, so when you're taking a block of data from an API, either it's good or it's not good and then it can proceed. But sometimes you're like trying to read a bunch of lines out of a file and you know, like it's, you kind of want to just capture the data that's bad and, and carry on. So I think really the thing is you're going to need to, which is a good place to show this, not there. Thing that I didn't quite finish filling out, but this, like this part here, when you're doing stuff, each one of those should probably be in a try accept block. And if something goes wrong, you just hang on to the original data and say this, this one is no good. We got to throw it away or log it or something, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So can I look at this? Oh, sweet. Okay, so I would do something like. Something like, yeah, yeah, something like that. There's, there's some probably kind of some like error class, yeah. you know, validation. Errors. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Okay. And then that validation, you could even append, like you could have save the error and the data. Right. Something okay. like that as a tuple. And then you're like, okay, I've got to go back and deal with these. And then you could figure out what's wrong with each one of them. Say, you know, here's the error message because this thing is going to have a bunch of details about here's the model that it's working with and the raw errors and, you know, give me the errors as like a chain of things and yeah, so on. But it's default mode is you try to give me something somewhere along the way it was bad. It doesn't give you the person class as good as it can get it plus the error it just goes nope you're not getting that it's broken right and, and that's a lot of times what you want but sometimes it doesn't make sense and uh, it just probably means you can't use pydantic for that situation 
Right, right. Yeah, for rapid development, I think that would be amazing. Like, it's just like, nope, here's the thing you you need to, to pass me, right? And then yeah. you can go back and, and you can, work You can ease that. it out and make it more forgiving as well. And what you could do is you, you could do thing, you know, I'm not necessarily endorsing this, but you could go back and say, you know what, this is a, an any, actually. This can just be whatever. It's just a list of something, right? You could sort of step it back. Right, right, right to 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 accept more things um there's there is a way to go down here and create an inner class config and then you can put stuff goes here um and some of the things you put in there like uh let's see there, there's some neat things here behind dandig um where is the It's not validator, this model config. So uh, you can put things like, let me show where the config thing goes. Do I have an example? Yeah, here's an example. So you've got an inner class called config, and then you can just put stuff on here about like uh, different types of errors and stuff. So you can say things like, uh, if somebody gives me a string, do a strip on it to get rid of any white space at the beginning or end, or uh, make everything lowercase, or, um oh interesting different so different can... types of things like um oh, i'm forgetting some example but for uh example like uh yeah this white space one uh, is something and then of course i believe you can make your own as well no that's really neat so you can override basically the defaults if you if you so choose of what pydantic would have done mm -hmm. um with that base model yeah, then there's a bunch of field types that it supports um, in here that you all can check out. So it's not just like list and string, but it's got like um, some more odd stuff down here. I think, do they actually have IP addresses? You can do like oh. patterns. Yeah, there you go. IP address for Oh, cool. nice. There cool, you are. IP address <laughs> six and so on. So you can say that the type is an IP address rather than a string. And yeah, it's going to be right. Stuff like that. Oh, so a, a bunch of neat things. Anyway, yeah, you can also say it's an enum. So if you've got an enumeration, that's like colors, um, you know, green, yellow, blue, gray, it's gotta be one of those four, right? It can't be beige or whatever. So there's all sorts of like stuff that we're not getting into here, but yeah, just go check out the documentation. Cause there's a bunch of neat things going on, but in general, uh, the the simple use case is what most people will probably be doing. Very slick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Very very interesting. Yeah, I like it because it's easy to adopt, right? Like this is not a this is not a large overhead <laughs> for you to do it, and it just like it kind of just handles all the little problems for you. Yeah, I was using the the typing and the you know optional and list and things like that before, but this on top of that is really really pretty sweet i mean yeah yeah so. i love this i love the way it works together so it's it's very nice cool chris right. do we have any yeah. uh any questions do we um, like no i I, th I think you i think you did a great job um awesome. ringing some questions from mr kennedy <laughs> yes thank you yeah, yeah it was great appreciate all the questions
Yeah. Um, so I, I was I was uh, keeping an eye on the on the uh, the Twitter sphere, but we are clean for questions. Um, but Sean, I mean, you did a fantastic job, and you you ran us right up until the the, the end of the time with uh, with all of your questions. Which honestly, I had the same ones. So so you you asked uh, the exact same things that I would have asked. So job well done, sir. <laughs> well, thank thank you, and thank you. To, to Michael, thanks a lot, Michael, for joining us and giving us that overview of Pydantic. Really, yeah. really cool stuff. Yeah, you uh, definitely need to check it out. Um, yeah, and it's definitely any, worth if, a look. If anybody here is not a um, follower of, if if somebody that's watching this is a is a Python aficionado and they are not listening to the Talk Python podcast, I highly, highly encourage you to go to talkpython.fm and uh, and check out. Where you're current, he's Mike is currently up to 325 episodes of delicious Python and goodness, going from everything from from beginners to to advanced interviews. There's there's something for everybody in there. Uh, oh, and he's also teaching. He's also got some classes on there uh, that that are great for beginners and all the way up to advanced folks. Both, yeah, definitely. Uh, both Sean, Sean and I are, are um, fans. <laughs> definitely second that. If you're into Python, if you're into machine learning, contain, I mean, there's a conversation with uh, the gentleman from Docker talking about Docker best practices. Super really insightful. Like that that yeah, was a great, super that was a great insightful. Show. Thanks. Talkpython.fm. Thank you both for that. I uh, really appreciate it. And <laughs> thanks everyone for watching. Uh, and go check out Pydantic. Not involved with it, just a fan. I think we should all be using it. Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. Cool. All right, Sean, why don't you walk us out? All right. Well, that's it for tonight, folks. Uh, yeah, we will uh, be here next week, Wednesday, I, I believe. We're, we're here next week, Wednesday as well. So thank we you are. so much for tuning in and uh, talk to you. Talk to you then.